Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of Bobcat Radio. My name is Jake Baromi, joined here with my co-host, Justin Brown, as well as Gage Sutton on the boards. We got a fun, fun show here today. We have KTSW alum and Texas State alum, the voice of Texas State Athletics, Brant Freeman, coming in in honor of KTSW's 30th anniversary, Uh, I believe the official 30th anniversary is this upcoming Friday. Uh, But before that, we got some baseball and some NBA. But before we get to all that, a quick word from Justin for for our sponsors. Thank you, Jacob. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. Thank you so much, Justin. Of course. And y'all know how we usually start off these shows, starting it off with some good old Cats catch-up. It's time to recap the latest Texas State and San Marcos High School events with today's edition of Cats Catch-Up. Your Bobcat baseball team came out with the win last night against the Baylor Bears here in San Marcos uh, with the uh, with the Blackout Bobcat Ballpark Night, 19th in all-time attendance at Bobcat Ballpark, Texas State comes away with a uh, a pretty convincing win, 11 to four, after blowing it up in the fourth inning with a five-run bottom of the fourth. Um, I was at the game. I was calling it with Clint Shields. Justin, I know you're watching. Uh, what'd you see from that game? Well, I saw you know a. Texas State bullpen rotation that we were seeing players that we've never seen, never even pitched on the mound before. P- players with zero ERA, and they were doing that while making up for it with their batting. The batting was very hot for this Texas State Bobcat team. Indeed, and Justin is stepping away for a quick second, but Gage, we can continue on about um, you know this this baseball team, and like we've said, three weeks in a row of absolutely just. Uh, kind of disappointing losses during the midweek games, the in-state games. But coming out against Baylor, a Big 12 team, and taking a very convincing win. And as we say that, you know, Texas State 2-1 and one against Big 12 teams as they took out the 1-1 one of one against Texas. And finally uh, wrapping up doing business against Baylor last night. Yeah, I think this win against Baylor was a good one for the Texas State baseball team. Had a couple losses uh, the weeks before, and I think right now this is a good time to get a a big win against uh, one of those Big 12 schools and uh, get ready for the rest of the season. I think they've been on a roll, and uh, they're really establishing establishing themselves as one of the better teams in the Sun Belt. Exactly. Uh, John Wofford came out and got the start, got the win. Uh, He only pitched two innings, uh, had bases loaded with no outs. But uh, still came away with the win. They were able to get out of the first inning with a, a good double play started by Cameron Gibbons. And then, uh, like you said after that, all freshmen and sophomore pitches, Coach Trout really got to see what he's got in those young guys. And they came out and pitched uh, a pretty beautiful game after that bases loaded situation in the first. Yeah, and give some... Uh i got to give a quick shout-out to Jose Gonzalez and Dalton Shuffield last night, too. I think uh, they, they helped out quite a bit. And uh, I think just looking forward to the rest of the baseball season and, I guess, kind of looking towards the next matchup, one I'm really interested in seeing is the UTSA game. Um, how, how important do you guys think that game, or I guess the rest of the out-of-conference games are? I mean, kind of saw it throughout volley, the volleyball season and saw it prepare them for the tournament. What do you guys think of 
Yeah, so they got UTSA here in San Marcos next Tuesday. Then the week after that, they will be in San Antonio against UTSA. Um, and I believe that these in-state games, as they struggled uh, earlier on in the season, they've been doing incredibly well in the weekend. They got UTA at uh, in Arlington this upcoming weekend as well. But, yeah, those UTSA games are always games that you want to pull out of just because they're one of your biggest rivals in the state. And think about the fans. The fans have been incredible all season long. We've had the first place attendance record uh, against Texas now last night, the 19th. If you were winning these big rivalry games, you're going to get fans to come out. And that is something that uh, this Bobcat team uh, really thrives on. You know, Jacob, I 100% agree with you on that. But what I want to say is that I'm just so proud of this Bobcat team for getting those out-of-conference wins. Three weeks in a row, they're losing the teams that were out of their conference, not really playing well. And then here yesterday at home, getting an 11-4 win over Baylor, that's quite massive, especially for this program. And and going into UTA, you know, that, that – that team is going to be waiting for Texas State, a 19th overall national team that just beat Baylor. They're going to be a little frightened, and their program is doing amazing. I mean, you're not even having the best pitchers on the mound, but you have hitters like Jose Gonzalez, Justin Thompson getting back-to-back home runs, making that impact, scoring offensively. It's just been incredible to watch, and I'm super excited to see what they can do against you know rivals like UTSA. Yeah, last night, I believe Jose got the first one, and uh, Wes Faison ended up getting the second back-to-back home run. When I was calling the game, I thought, when was the last time they went back-to-back? Ended up being this past Saturday. Both of those games were incredibly winding, blowing straight out to the outfield. Uh, so in favor of the batter in those situations. But moving on to a quick segment before our break, uh, we're going to go over some of the NBA play-in of uh, last night. The Timberwolves took the game off of the L.A. Clippers, and they will be facing the winner of the Pelicans and Spurs, as well as the Nets beating the Cavaliers, and they will be facing... The, the winner of the Hornets and the Hawks. Hornets and the tonight, Hawks yeah. tonight. So, Justin, I know you were talking about the Timberwolves uh, LA game, uh, just about you know Timberwolves celebrating a little bit, maybe too hard. But what did you see from that? <laughs> you know, I believe that celebration was quite worthy of that performance that they had because truth is they were down in that game throughout the whole one, and they and they technically they weren't supposed to win it. Their star Carl Anthony Towns was not doing good at all, shooting three for eleven from. No, I think it was actually was it two for eleven from the field. Not an important performance that you would expect from your big star like that. But Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, both dropping thirty pieces, making a huge impact on this team. I wanted to see the Timberwolves do great, and I think they deserve that. That celebration this is their first playoff appearance in 2018 and that's a quite a worthy one i would say for that performance you know the thing that i was noticing while watching that game last night is man isaiah's agenda is really gonna gonna be helped out with <laughs> after this carl anthony towns performance that he's not a top three center forgot that he said clint capella was better than him too isaiah oh. and uh, if you're listening to this just make sure you know forget forget this game because after watching it last night I'm not really sure about either the seven or the eight team. I'm kind of questioning whether the plan is really going to do anything because I have a feeling that San Antonio nor New Orleans are going to be able to win that game against the Clippers. I mean, yeah, personally. And, and really, whoever gets out of that is just going to get beat by the Suns. Exactly. Um, but, you know, the plan, it is good for team morale, like a team like the Pelicans who have a lo- had a lot uh, ending this season and have even more with the potential of Zion coming back next season gives that good morale boost uh, but besides that it's kind of just moving you down in the draft lottery yeah and if he does come back next year the Pelicans are going to be a problem for sure but I mean if he's not back this postseason there's really no point in trying I mean I don't even think the Clippers are at full strength right now if they were somehow miraculously to get Kawhi back I could see them making a deep run but Maybe you could just wait a year. I think everyone everyone at the top of the West is so good that you just 
I don't know. I just feel like it's not possible with the team that you have right now and, you know, trying to get these guys or rush them back from injury. But, Justin, what do you think? You know, I'm glad we touched on the West Coast, but we cannot forget the East Coast. We had the Brooklyn Nets and the Cavaliers play, and we saw Kyrie and KD get hot and not turn it off. And that's something that we haven't seen much of this season with the COVID restrictions and things like that. But this is their first game where both of them had double digits assists together, and they were quite hot. A team that we weren't expecting to see defensively, they showed up defensively, holding Seti Osman to zero points in 22 minutes and Isaac Okoro for the same same zero points. And they saw a lot of these young players go there and act like a young team. So I wasn't surprised to see them lose against the Brooklyn Nets, but now they're going to have to face up against the Hornets and the Hawks, whoever wins that series. In my opinion, I believe it's going to be the Hornets. I want to see LaMelo do good. I saw them in the pace, against the Pacers last year. They failed in the play-in. That's what I want to see in the East Coast. I don't know about y'all. Well, we'll find out about that later tonight, but we're going to take it to a quick break. And on the other side of it, we got Brent Freeman, the voice of Texas State Athletics, here in the studio with us for a good 20-minute interview to round up the show. But stay tuned because you're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW. 89.9. And welcome back on this beautiful Wednesday morning to the Bobcat Radio Mission. My name is Jacob Romy, joined by my co-host Justin Brown and Gage Sutton on the boards. And we have a special guest in studio with us today, uh, voice of Texas State Athletics, Brant Freeman. Brant, how are you doing today? Doing good, Jacob. Thanks for having me on, guys. And I know you have an agenda to get into here with me, but I want to actually jump in on the NBA talk here real quick, if I could. Oh, yes. I know there was, there was talk about the play-in with you guys, and um, I actually love this for the NBA. And yes, odds are whoever ends up with that final seed is going to get slaughtered by Phoenix, likewise by <laughs> Miami in the East. But think about the bubble year. Phoenix made that huge run. They didn't quite get to that single uh, playoff game elimination that was played between Portland and Memphis. But if Phoenix doesn't make that run in the bubble, Chris Paul never goes there. It, it was that run in the bubble for them that kind of you know, drew the attention of the NBA and of Chris Paul leaving Oklahoma City, and the Suns have become a different franchise since then. They barely got into the bubble in the first place. They barely qualified with their win-loss record at the time, but their play in the bubble is why they're at where they're at now. Last year, Memphis was the 9 seed. They beat the Spurs, who were the 10. In a regular NBA year before the playing was a thing, Memphis would not have made the postseason. They beat San Antonio, and then they go and they beat Golden State on the road, and they stole a game from Utah in the first round as well. And if that doesn't happen for Memphis, there's no way they're the number two seed in the West right now. So the playing, I think, has actually been a good thing. And uh, you guys talked about morale. It really can elevate some teams with their franchise moving forward. So I'm, I'm a fan of the play-in, and I was totally fine with the way that Minnesota celebrated last night. Um, you, I've been watching the NBA for 30 years, okay? The Timberwolves have done next to nothing. They've been in, they've been <laughs> in, one, they've been in one conference finals, and that was 18 years ago back in 2004. They've had nothing to celebrate, and the play-in is a single-game elimination deal, albeit the Clippers are still technically alive. They get one more game to try to get in. You know, and uh, there's a lot of trash talking throughout the game. Who doesn't love, a, you know, a Patrick Beverly type of game like we saw last night? So, and Anthony Edwards, you know, is one of the great young players in the league. So uh, I was totally fine with last night. Look, maybe Minnesota ends up getting trashed by Memphis. But I'll tell you what, between Beverly and John Morant, that's going to be a very entertaining mm-hmm. series uh, with just a trash talking alone. Hey. I, I'm all on board with everything you just said, Brent. I, I personally am so excited for that matchup between those two guys. And uh, I agree that the plane is a good idea, but I mean, you know, I'm a Spurs fan, right? Sure. I, I, I don't want the Spurs to be in the plane because then they don't get a top eight pick. And, you know, realistically, you know, 
I don't know how you feel about that, Brent, because obviously, you know, the Spurs and there are a lot of teams that mm -hmm. won't purposely tank. But what do you think of them kind of holding back? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess kind of like, you know, sitting players and letting the board kind of fall to them and uh, I guess building from the draft, because that's how the Spurs have really been successful is building through the draft. They're in a situation they've never really been in before. You know, I've been a Spurs fan for about 30 years now and. Uh, for the first 25 years of my fandom, they were always championship contenders. And so this is new territory, especially now throwing in the play-in. But again, it, kind of the examples I gave before with John Morant, you know, in Phoenix, you know, the last couple of years, um, I think this is good for players like Keldon Johnson and for DeJounte Murray and, and Lonnie Walker and Devin, and Devin Vassell and that group. And um, it's going to be tough for them to get in, you know, winning at New Orleans and then winning at L.A., it would be a detriment for their future. You're right, because if they do win those two games, they win the right to get swept by Phoenix, mm -hmm. you know, where the, the long game would be to, you know, have a, a higher draft pick in the first round. But that's not in Greg Popovich's DNA, you know, yeah. so they're not going to throw these these games if they play more than one. Um, and I think right now the players are just enjoying the ride. That's a tough sell on your current players is to don't play this game. Don't play at your best because you want somebody better than you here. So I don't see that being their approach tonight in New Orleans. Oh, yeah, I, I don't I absolutely don't think that the Spurs would take that approach in any way. But it's hard sometimes as a fan. And I have friends who are Rockets fans, too. So, I mean, they all they know is tanking. Um, <laughs> but for the Spurs, I just feel like this is one of the first times that I've seen them in a while have a lot of cap room, too. And I think for them to have this much cap room, there aren't a lot of free agents that really, in, you know, are intriguing for the Spurs. But one it's, guy that I think is out there is DeAndre Ayton from the Suns. And I mean, they haven't given him the max contract for a reason. I don't know if they're ready to pill, ready to pay him. So I can mm -hmm. see the Spurs giving him the offer, see if Phoenix matches it. And if that means you can trade Jakob Pertl, the eighth pick and the other two picks you've got from Boston to Toronto to move up into the top 10. I mean, it's something that we could see. I mean, for sure. But I, I do know, though, you guys didn't bring me in here to talk. Oh, NBA. not at all. <laughs> to, by the way. But uh, anyways, uh, Jacob, fire away. Uh, well, we were planning on talking about NBA a little bit later, but I have no problem opening it up. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun couple of days for the NBA. But like I said, voice of Texas State Athletics, Brent Freeman here, uh, Texas State graduate of 06, KTSW alum, in here in honor of KTSW's 30th anniversary that is coming up on Friday, but we are celebrating it throughout the whole week. Um, so, Brent, why don't we just start off? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your story. Uh, mm -hmm. What has led you to uh, become where you are today? So what's funny is that um, I grew up just outside of San Antonio. Again, being a Spurs fan, I grew up in Bernie, which is just just west of San Antonio. And when I was in high school, that was when the, the height of Sports Center was at it was at the height of its popularity, I should say. You know, that was back Stuart Scott and Kenny Main and Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann when they were Sports Center anchors and and it was appointment television. We didn't. You know, I'm dating myself here. We didn't have DVR back then. So, you know, you planted yourself with the TV at 10 o'clock at night, you know, and you heard the sports center music. And and um, I was very much a big sports fan. So initially, I, I wanted to be a, uh, an anchor. Um, and I graduated in 99. That was my uh, high school graduation year. And that was the year the Spurs won their first title. And out where I lived, uh, we didn't we didn't have cable. Um, and so a lot of the games, if I wanted to follow, I had to do so listening on radio. And, and I mean, like, and I was a diehard. So I would, uh, I would go to, I would, I would lay in bed with the radio up to my ear from the pregame show to postgame show. And I, I'd listen from beginning to end. 
And I just kind of, you know, the, the Spurs were an easy team to, to root for. David Robinson was my very first ever role model. And, um, and listening to the game was, was such an intimate way to follow. And so I decided at that point, I, I'd rather do this instead of being an anchor. So I decided to change goals. Um, that said, I had no idea to, uh, uh, how to go about making it happen. Um, the closest university to me where I lived was UTSA. And so I did a very poor job of doing any research, okay? I just went to the closest university there was. UTSA doesn't have a broadcast journalism uh, department. I figured this out pretty quickly. So I wasted a year there in San Antonio. <laughs> Love the city, don't like the college. And, um, and so it was, it was there that I, I decided I got to make a change. And so I transferred to a junior college, San Antonio College, they had a radio TV program, and it was there I got my first chance to crack the mic. My very first time ever talking over the microphone was as a DJ for the campus station KSYM. It was like 90.1, I think, in San Antonio. I had shifts at weird time. I think I did one Christmas morning, Thanksgiving Day, <laughs> you know, that kind of deal. And um, it was a cool experience, but, again, this was a junior college. There was only so much that I could do. I had to go to a four-year university. And I had applied to four different colleges out of JUCO. And uh, I applied to Abilene Christian, to Texas Tech, to North Texas, and Southwest Texas. And um, I got accepted to all four, which, by the way, I have no idea how that happened because I wasn't exactly <laughs> getting 4.0s. So uh, I narrowed it down to North Texas and Southwest. Uh, a friend of mine who I grew up with in high school had been going to Tarleton in Stephenville. He was transferring as well. And he decided to transfer to Southwest. I'd actually, by that point, I decided to go to UNT. But I was, and I was trying to figure, actively figure out how to uh, uh, live there. You know, was I going to get an apartment or live in the dorms? And he said, hey, man, I'm going to Southwest. I think you should come with me and we'll, we'll, room, it, we'll room together. And that's how I decided to come here. It had nothing to do with the program or anything <laughs> like that. I didn't even know KTSW was a thing. I just knew that Southwest Texas offered a broadcast journalism degree. And uh, I remember the first couple semesters was, were kind of rough academically. I took my second semester off, as did my roommate who never went to school again, by the way, after that semester. Um, and I got my life together after that. Went to summer school and got back on, on the fast track. And while I was going to school here, I worked at Palmer's. I don't know if you guys have been there in town. Uh, it's a restaurant uh, just off the square. And I don't know if you guys have jobs outside of this, but uh, whenever college students work together, the conversation always turns to what are you getting a degree in? What do you want to do? And uh, so everybody knows what everybody wants. And so um, everybody that I work with knew that I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. And one of the chefs, the cooks, I should say, in the back, uh, his girlfriend w was working at KTSW. And he went to pick her up one day, and he saw, when he picked her up, a flyer that said, hiring sports broadcasters. He said, hey, man, they got a flyer out there. You should go apply. I did the next day. Um, this was February of 2003, and um, kind of the rest is history. And that's kind of got my start here at KTSW. Um, I got on the, the, uh, the sports staff for that spring semester of 03, um, board opt a couple of games. My first broadcast was a women's basketball game. The Bobcats played at Lamar. 
Um, ironically, the coach then, Suzanne Fox, is now my broadcast partner for the TV <laughs> broadcast, wow. you know, for men's and women's basketball. I remember the board op was late showing up for that game. <laughs> so I, but the first time I opened the mic for play-by-play was we apologize for the technical difficulties kind of thing. Um, right to it. <laughs> I, I had the, the chance to actually cover the, the baseball team and the softball team and the conference tournaments that year. And I was I caught every break imaginable, guys. Um, that same uh, spring, the women made the NCAA tournament. They haven't been back since, um, but they, they won the Southland tournament. They went to the NCAAs. They played LSU in the first round, and I did that on KTSW. And so the following fall, um, f- the way the football was handled was very unique at the time. Uh, KTSW was the only radio home of the Bobcats then, and then by then the, the name changed to Spring of 03 was the last time Southwest Texas was a thing. It then became Texas State. And at the time, the SID, Tony Brubaker, was doing play-by-play and SID duties, which is, for anybody in the industry knows, impossible to pull off. (laughs) Um, And so he decided he could only do road games. He had too many duties to do managing a press box at home, so they needed a home radio voice. And the first choice was Bill Colhane. Obviously, it should have been him. Um, This was when streaming was in its infancy, uh, audio streaming. And Bill actually created his own company, audio streaming company, called BoosterCast.com. And he signed a deal with the university and San Marcos High School to stream uh, their football broadcast. So fans could not only listen on terrestrial radio, but they could listen online on a computer, not even on smartphones. That wasn't a thing then either. Um, San Marcos High School only agreed to do it if Bill would call the games himself. And he didn't want to double dip, meaning like having to prep for a high school game and a college football game, doing play-by-play. And so he and Tony liked the work I had been doing to that point. I had been doing it for all of four months, and I got a chance to do Division One college football play-by-play as a student back then. And I was way out of my depth, by the way. It was terrible, <laughs> just awful. <laughs> one of these days, for one of these anniversary shows, or just whenever you guys want your sports talk show, I said I should send you all a clip to hear what it was like. Um, it was rough. But I would go back and listen to every game. I would ask for advice. I would try to build personal, professional relationships with those in the department, with Bill, with Tony, and do everything I could to get better. And thank God they welcomed me back the next year. And then even when I graduated, I developed by then, uh, I'd been doing it for about three years, a good, a good relationship with athletics, and at the time with Don Coryell who is now, of course, the athletic director at Texas State, and um, told him I was graduating but said, we'd love to have you still on doing our football broadcasts and our coaches' shows. And um, so that's what happened after I graduated, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Here I am now. Well, I think we should, from from all three of us, I should say, thank you, Brent, first off, for I kind of setting the path for a lot of us who are at KTSW right now. I mean, mm-hmm. we kind of saw what you did and kind of wanted to follow in those footsteps because uh, we wouldn't be doing a lot of the things that we're doing right now without you. So we want to give you your roses while you're here, Brent. Thank you so much again for coming and being here. Gage, Gage, that means a lot. Truly, it does. But 
what I want to say is that you you told us how you've went through so much adversity before you even got into KTSW. It seems mm-hmm. like you transferred multiple schools. You're working at a restaurant, and then yep. you see a flyer, and the next thing you know, it in 2003, you're named number one broadcaster in the nation by College Broadcasting Inc. Mm-hmm. I mean, just wow. I mean, if there's any tips that you can give, any word of advice you can give to people listening right now, maybe the people that aren't even in KTSW and they want to do what you're doing right now, what words of advice would you give to them to face that adversity? Uh, you got to be persistent. You have to be passionate too. You know, I foolishly never came up with a plan B. You know, this was always all my eggs in this particular basket. And it really wasn't easy even after graduation. Um, while I got a chance to do, you know, football broadcasts and coaches shows even after graduating, there wasn't a full-time job. Uh, but I got one out of college working for a radio station in New Braunfels, K- 1420 KGNB. At the time, they were a sporting news radio affiliate. So it was a sports station. They carried Astros games, Texans games. The programming was 24-7 sports. I got to do high school football on Fridays and then college football on Saturdays. I was anchoring a daily sports report. Had a chance to cover the Spurs. Was credentialed to cover them for about nine years. But eventually, the station went away from sports programming. Uh, They are now currently a country music station. And with that kind of my roles changed and it was shortly after I started there that they wanted me to start doing news and I was a naive 26 year old who thought I was bigger than that better than that and uh, decide I declined their offer and decided I was going to go find something better nothing came about there's not exactly a bunch of you know jobs out there in this industry they're very difficult to get and um, and I didn't want to leave behind the Texas State stuff because doing college football is, I mean, there's only one of, at the Division One level, one of 200 jobs out there. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to give that up. So I didn't want to move and take another small radio station job somewhere else. So I wanted to find a way to supplement income. But there wasn't a media job out there to do that. So I had to tuck my tail between my legs, and I went back to waiting tables. And I was miserable. And there's, look, there's nothing wrong working in the service industry. I loved waiting tables when I was when I was in college. You know, it's it's a great experience, and I feel like it's one that's almost necessary for everybody to do. So you appreciate the job that those people in the service industry uh, do when they're working in restaurants and bars. I just felt like you know I was at a point in my life where I'm supposed to be figuring things out, and I've gone backwards. Um, but I did that for about a year. And um, and then the radio station offered me the job again. And this time I said, I'll do it. And I covered news as well. And and um, that job eventually went away, too, in 2015. They downsized and I was out of a job again. Um, and so I had to, you know, I had to kind of figure things out, worked a lot of freelance jobs for about four years until I got the full time job I have now at Texas State. So it's about uh, persevering, believing in yourself um, and you got to be passionate about it because if you're not, it'll eat you up pretty quick and uh, you're not going to make it. Well said. Well said indeed. Um, well, we are coming towards the end, unfortunately. Uh, we have to have you back sometime. I mean, there's so much questions I know we prepared that we didn't get to, but I'm going to give you one more quick one. Um, the States Up podcast just started yep. with you and Texas State Athletics a couple weeks ago. You had Sion Tupo on, then Tyler Huff most recently. And it's mainly surrounded around the the athletes, the student yep. athletes. Mm-hmm. So can you just give us uh, some quick words about, you know, kind of the formation of this podcast, why focus it specifically on the student athletes and just your thoughts on it? Yeah, help driven by the new sports information director, Texas State, Chris Coots. Um, he, he wanted to get to know the athletes kind of, you know, uh, behind the scenes a little bit more mm-hmm. and give their personal stories, give the fans a personal connection with them. 
And so that's why we decided to go that route. The podcast is not centered around wins or losses or mm-hmm. stats or anything like that. For those that have listened, you know that Tupo, we talked about his Polynesian background. We talked about Hoff, his military background. We have another one coming up with Rontavius Groves. He, he has a, a budding music career. We're talking about that. Um, and looking forward to telling more of those stories. All right. Well, unfortunately, we have come to an end. Like I said before, we would love to have you back. Mm-hmm. There's just so much to talk about. But before we send you all off, we have Gage with a quick weather update. All right, so real quickly in San Marcos, it is currently 81 degrees with a high of 95 and a low of 62 today. Tomorrow we're looking at a, high, a low of 52 and a high of 85 and uh, partly car- partly cloudy skies. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for our weather. But, again, I want to say thank you again to Brant for joining us. We did have a lot of questions we didn't get to. Sorry, I ran long, guys. Sorry about that. You wanted to know the, the background. There, there's a lot that goes into it. So No, hey. I, I think this would be a perfect opportunity to get Brant on our podcast, uh, the Claws to the Wall podcast. It would be. Yeah, for a KTSW's podcast. We definitely have more time to do it. And, hey, all of our jobs here, well, your job, our hobby, is to talk. So we can do that. <laughs> we can do that a lot. But that'll be it for today's show uh, this has been Jacob Aromi along with Justin Brown, Gage Sutton, and thank you again, Brant Freeman, for coming in. But uh, that has been it for today. But catch us on Friday for the next episode of BCR, and y'all have a good day. You listen to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9.